So tonight, we're going to study something that we, we've studied in the past, but it's been uh, a few years, and I wanted to touch, touch on it because I think it's important that we cover this, and that is meditation. Meditation. And in the world, that has a very negative um, uh, connotation. You know, we, we think of yoga and all of this chanting business and uh, the occult, but that's not what we're talking about here. I want to talk about spiritual meditation because it is a tool and a weapon that the Lord has given us that we don't use enough. Romans 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritual minded is life and peace. And there's a key to how our thoughts operate. There's a key to dealing with our situation, and that is found in our minds. The battle today today is for our thoughts and for our mind. If Satan can take away your peace, if he can get to your mind, if he can disrupt your thinking, if he can bring you a tribulation and fear and, and distress and depression, then he's pretty much won the battle. So tonight we want to look at that. It says, for to be carnally minded, that means to be thinking about nothing but physical things, will be death. But to be spiritually minded, that means to refocus our thoughts on what God wants is life and peace. Now, what is what do I mean by spiritual meditation? Well, I'm going to give a definition tonight that may be a little bit different from, from what you are thinking. It's really about a transformed mind. Meditation, spiritual meditation, can be thought of in this way. When we are praying, what we're doing is we're speaking to God. When we pray, it's a conversation. We're speaking to God. We are making our requests, our supplications, our petitions known. Well, meditation can be thought of as the other way. It's really listening to God. Amen. So we can, when we're meditating, it's not some uh, strange occult practice. It's All it is is about listening to the Spirit, listening to what the Word says to you. It, the meditation can come in many ways, but it's all about listening and thinking and meditating and, and dwelling upon God's Word, whether it comes from a person, whether it comes... Uh, from the written word, the graphe word, whether it's a rhema word, but or through the spirit directly, but it is listening to what God is saying. Amen. In fact, Revelation, uh, first uh, two chapters of Revelation, chapters two, sorry, two and three, tell us several times, he that hath an ear, let him hear, that means listen, with what the spirit is saying unto the churches. Now, it's, it's not speaking uh, physically because... Most people do have ears. So what this is speaking about is spiritually. Many times we pray and it's a one-way conversation. We tell God what our troubles are and we don't really take time to just be quiet and listen to what the Spirit might want to say to us. The Bible said that when the Comforter was come, he would uh, lead us into what? All truth. And we're going to talk about that. So we need to listen. Now, as I said in, in the Greek, the, the word for, for speech or for an utterance is rhema. And you've heard many messages upon the rhema word. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every rhema utterance that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So meditation really is shutting up and listening to what God is saying to us. Amen. And that's how we are fed. That's how we are fed, by the word that comes from God. Now that word can come through a person, 
It can come through the written word. It can come directly through a vision or a, or a dream or through our Holy Spirit. In, in John 6, 63, Jesus makes it explicit. He says, the words that I speak, the rhema, the utterance that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And I think today we don't take time to just meditate, to just think upon the word that God has given us. Uh, Psalms 23, I use that example so many times, but you could meditate upon that all week. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Just those four verse, words, if you started to meditate upon that, you would start to smile. The Lord is my shepherd. Amen. If the Lord is your shepherd, that speaks volumes. That says a whole lot. That means you belong to him. That means you're not some strange uh, lost sheep. When you can say like David, the Lord is my shepherd. Amen. So tonight we're going to look at that, at meditating, listening to the Spirit. Because a lot of times we don't. We just monologue to God. We, we, we tell Him what we want. We give our list of things. And then we stop and we go home. We say amen and we go home. But in our prayer, in our daily walk, maybe we should be more quiet than talk and just say, Lord, speak to me. Isn't that what Samuel said when the Lord called him? He said, here am I, Lord. That's all he said. And then the Lord started to speak to him. Wouldn't it be great if that was our prayer? And I said it Sunday. Instead of asking God for lots of stuff, asking God, what can we do? How can we be pleasing in your sight? And I'm going to show you tonight that meditation is something that can strengthen us. It's spirit and the words are life. That's what it says in John chapter 6, verse 63. The words that I speak, this was Jesus. The utterance, that's what rhema means, the utterance that I speak unto you. They are spirit and they are life. And if we were to just meditate upon that, how are the words that we're hearing spirit? How are they life? How do they, how do they empower us? It may just sound like an ordinary word. But if you start thinking about it, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, he leadeth me. Wow. That's what a shepherd does. And you can just take any verse of scripture and start to meditate upon it. Let it speak to you. Let it speak to you. In 2 Corinthians 13.1, Paul uses that, that word again. He, he's, he's giving a, 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 an utterance to the Corinthian church. And he says, this is the third time I'm coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word, every rhema utterance be established. And so, I'm starting off by saying meditation is really about listening. It's not about giving. It's about taking in something from God. And God wants to speak to us. God wants to call us. He wants to, to let His love come into our lives. But a lot of times we're so noisy and so busy. We, we think about Elijah, right? And he was up on the mountain and he was looking for God. But God was not in the earthquake. He was not in the fire. He was not in the storm. It was in the still, small voice. And sometimes we need to be still and make ourselves small, humble ourselves, that God can speak to us. God can deal with us. God could not give Gideon victory until there was a, a, a small number so that nobody would claim the, the, the victory themselves. God wants to get the glory. 
Amen. So we have the rhema, which is the spoken or utterance word, and then we have the, the, the graphe or the written word, and either one of them can speak to us. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now, if you're a Muslim, one of the things that the Muslims do is they learn by rote the whole Quran. They meditate, they repeat the scriptures over and over till, till they speak to them. Amen. Till they speak to them. And, and it would be great if we would just take something, a promise of God. There's more than 7,000 and let them speak to us. In Joshua, it says, This book of the law shall not depart out of my, out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate. That means think about it, regurgitate it, chew on it, amen, day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. How? By taking the law and meditating upon it. Now that was the law. We have something much better today. We have the Spirit of God, amen? And so, if we have the spirit of truth, we should let that spirit of truth minister to us. We should get a, a word and just be thanking God for, for His word and start to meditate upon it. See, the trouble is that there's so many other things that we can think about, right? I mean, if I told you to think about what's number one on your list, it'd probably be your bills and what you got to pay and stuff you got to do at work. Amen. I have a long list of stuff that I got to get done this week. Amen. Uh, that I'm thinking about right now. But I got to put that down. Because that will not give me life. You know what that will do? That will bring some depression. That will bring some heaviness. Amen. What we need to do in meditating is to put God back into our life. To focus upon Him. He said, all these other things will I give you. In Matthew 6.33, seek ye first. The kingdom of God and His righteousness. And whenever we do that, God will somehow take care of the other stuff. That's what He has promised. When uh, Elijah went to the widow woman, uh, and she only had one meal left for her and her son, He said, make me a meal first. Now that's a really crazy thing to ask in a famine. You're this big old man and this poor little widow woman has only got one meal left for her and her son. And you come and you say, give it to me first. That took some faith for her to do that. But God honored her faith. The Bible says that her barrel was never empty after that. Never. Because she put God first. She, she put um, the request from the prophet, which was from God, to honor God's man first. Amen. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Thou mayest observe to do I found that the, some of my best times is when, when I was meditating either upon a thought or a scripture or listening to someone who was preaching. I mean, I had some good times when I had to drive four or five hours back and forth to Michigan for some years. I would uh, get in that car and I would meditate. And the, the trip would seem very short because I was on automatic. I was just, I was going, but I was, I was, whatever the word was saying, I was just absorbing it. Amen. You see, the natural man doesn't want to think about the things of God. The Bible says that in Romans that they are not even discerned. They can, we can read a scripture in a natural, in a fleshly sense and not understand it because we have not really engaged the spirit to give us the proper interpretation. 
In Genesis 6, 6, 5, it gives an example of what the natural man's tendency is. It says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and every imagination, that means thinking, every thought, was of evil. His heart was only evil continually. It's so easy to go from Sunday, uh, Monday to Saturday night and not really give God much time. It is so easy to just focus on all the things that we got to do. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every imagination, that means he had no time for God. The imagination of his thoughts, of his hearts, was only evil continually. In the Proverbs it says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Um, heart disease is one of the big number two or three killers in America. Why? Because people worry. They, they fret. They're always thinking of negative things, and science has shown that that generates all kinds of bad chemicals. You see, even nature tells us that we can't think ourselves in, in that sense better. When, but when we focus on God and His supernatural strength and His keeping power, things can change. Negative thinking and voicing those thoughts gives them power. In Psalm 37, 1, it says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down. We don't have to worry about people troubling us if we trust God because we're His child. He has promised, amen, a protection for our soul and our spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians that your soul is sealed. That doesn't mean people won't try and get you. But don't worry about it. God has got this. He's got your back. He is our defender, amen. He is our rare, uh, great reward, amen. Fret not thyself, because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. We don't have to try and take vengeance. We don't have to worry our brain and fill up our brain with, okay, how do I get them back or how I'm going to defend myself. The Bible says in verse 2, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land. And verily thou shalt be fed. Amen. Um, in the Old Testament, in Genesis, we have the story of, of Isaac. And he went to this land, God told him to go to this land called Gerar. And it was a famine, and he could have said, well, Lord, why are you sending me there? There's no, there's no food there. And uh, he went, and uh, he started to try and, 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 and dig some wells, and you know the story. And they let him finally alone with the third well. And because of that, in a famine, he reaped a hundredfold. Yet the people around him were so envious. They were wanting him to fail. And But no matter what he touched, it was blessed. When God's favor is upon you, it doesn't matter what people do. Because you cannot curse whom God has blessed. Amen. You can't do it. It won't work. Amen. And that's why I tell people, you don't, don't worry about your blessing or your gift. Because nobody can take it from you. Nobody can take your gift from you because God has given it to you. Amen. All you have to do is to do the right thing and God will bring out your gifting. Amen. So we see that negative thinking can be uh, very bad for our physical body. And negative thinking about others and trying to work it out 
never works. It says, fret not thyself because of evil doers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. So tonight I want to be more positive and, and, and go to some of the scriptures that tells us what things we should think about. Amen? Anyone know some scriptures that tells us what good things we should think about? Alright, let's look at it. Here's, here's the one I'm going to take tonight. Here's the one I'm going to run with tonight. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, what does it say? Think on these things. I, I really firmly believe if we were to take this scripture and actually put it into practice, a lot of us would not be sick. I really believe that. But we don't do that. We think on all kinds of negative things, and we think of all the bad things. Instead of something that is true and honest and just and pure and lovely. One of the things that, um, uh, that attracted, to, attracted me to my wife when I first met her, was I thought there couldn't be anyone as innocent as, like, you know, came off the bus. She seemed completely devoid when I first met her. Of course, I've corrupted her now. But when I first met her, and I know she's listening, <laughs> she seemed so um, innocent, like, you know, like, unbelievably... You know, the world would say naive. She just thought everything was good. There was just, everything was beautiful. And But I like being around positive people. And she was so positive. And so, you know, there was, she was a fulfillment really of this scripture. It didn't seem there could be any negativity. And so I didn't believe. I thought, well, she must really be secretly just doing that when I'm there. So you know what I'd do? I would show up when she wasn't expecting me. I would show up when she had family I wanted to see her mad and angry so I could know, okay, so she's just like everybody else. But what God really wants us to be is this character, true, honest, just, pure, and lovely. If we were thinking about those things, I think we would have a lot less issues. We would go around a lot less depressed. Now you think, well, it's impossible to always be on cloud nine. Well, not if you have the Holy Spirit, right? Not if you have the Holy Spirit. I don't believe Jesus went around depressed. I don't believe so. I think there were times when he looked at people and was sorry. But the Bible says that who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He knew that there would still be more people who would be blessed even through his suffering. So he could endure the fact that there was going to be times of sorrow. Amen. This is what the Bible has called us to. See, my thoughts, how I look at something, can determine everything. Some people will say, well, this bottle's not full. Some people will say, well, it's three quarters full. See, I'm one of the three quarters full. I don't look at it as being uh, half empty, because that's not my makeup. I'm told through Christ I can do all things. Uh, my parents spoiled me in telling me that with God we can do anything. And I just believe them. And so I, I, I don't go into situations for the most part too scared. I should be in the natural, but most of the times I walk into situations thinking, I got this. <laughs> and I don't in my flesh, but God has never let me down. 
Amen. I remember uh, a few few years ago, about 2000, I took on some work that I really probably had no business doing. I'd never done this before. They offered me this big amount and said, can you do this? And I said, sure I can. Then I went out and started buying books and reading how to do it. <laughs> you know, because I believe that with God, we can do all things. My thoughts determine how I'm going to be that day, right? You can choose through meditation to have a good day. You can't control someone else's attitude, can you? In fact, the only person you can control or have some uh, influence on is yourself, right? And so the devil will come to try and steal your joy. As soon as you leave Sunday, someone will call you, something will come to steal your joy. You'll go out there and you'll have a flat tire. Or the light will come on on the engine. Or the transmission will go out or something will come. Because that's what the battle is for today, is for your mind. But the Bible tells us that the things that we need to meditate upon are the fact that God loves us, that He is true, that the, that the honest things, the just, the pure, the lovely, amen. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure. Now you notice, it's not either one of these things by themselves, but it's all of them. There are some true things that are not nice. There are some true things you know, someone did something that was terrible, and it's true they did it, but that doesn't mean you should think about it. It says, whatever things are true, honest, just, and pure, you've got to take the whole basket. Amen? And lovely. So yes, there are some true things, but they're not lovely. God isn't telling you to think about those things. He's telling you to think about all His promises that are yea and amen. The promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you. The promise that wherever he is, he's coming back to take you. The promise that in my father's house, there are many mansions. Some good and true things. Bible says when you see all these things happening, look up. For your redemption, draw it nigh. Whatsoever things are of a good report. So there it, it puts it all into one basket. Things that are a good report. So you don't have to be thinking about things that are Terrible. Okay, so so and so did this and so and so did that. That's not a good report. Yes, it may be true. It may be honest in that it's stating the facts, but it's not a good report. Don't dwell on it. It doesn't help you. Think about the good things. Amen. The blessing of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord, the grace of the Lord. Think about those things. Amen. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, if people would use this before they post on Facebook, it'd be a different situation, wouldn't it? <laughs> if they use this to measure what they posted on Facebook, it'd be a diff different situation. So we're going to take these things now one at a time. The transformed mind comes from meditating on these things, these five things. So what about meditating on something that is true? And the Bible tells us, of course, Jesus and the Spirit is the truth. He says, I will send you the, the Comforter. And it's called in Scripture, the Spirit of Truth. John 17, 14 says, I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. What makes us different from the world? What makes us not of the world? Well, the answer is right there. It's the Word. Do you get it? 
He's given us his word. If we get that word in us, then it makes us different. It makes us not of the world. If we don't have the word, then we're just like everybody else. But if we have the word in us, it makes us not of the world. Why? Because the word came from outside. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So it's the word, God's word in us, that makes us different. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. The promise that we're given is that God will keep us from the evil one. That is spiritual in nature. Satan cannot take your Holy Ghost. Now, it may be he can damage you physically, not directly, but through, the Bible says, the children of disobedience. But he cannot possess you. Amen. Because if you're truly filled with the Spirit, there is no room. Amen. He says this state which is mind-blowing. He says they are not of this world. Now, how could he say that? They were born. They were born in Galilee and Capernaum and all these places. So what is it now that makes them not of this world? And what I'm going to tell you is it's the Word. It's what we meditate upon makes us different. And here is the proof, verse 17. It says, sanctify them. What does sanctify mean? Separate them. What makes us different from the world? It's through thy truth. Thy word is truth. It's God's word that makes us different from the world. If we're meditating upon it, we can't help but express that. Because what's inside will come out. Jesus said it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. It's not what you take in, it's what comes out. It's what comes out that defiles, it's what we say, it's our lifestyle, it's how we act, it's what comes out of us that defiles us. Jesus in verse 18 said, And thou hast sent me into the world, even so that I have sent them also into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified through the truth. And earlier on he explicitly says, Thy word is truth. Do you understand what makes you different is when you have that word, when you're meditating upon God's word. When when you start to meditate upon it, you know what's going to happen? Something's going to happen. That word will come back to you in a time of need. God will give you that word. The Bible says that you will hear a, a word in your ear saying, this is the way, walk in it. And when we have meditated, when we have started to chew on that word, it will stay in there. And especially when it's God's word of truth. Romans 5.13 gives that, that understanding. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. I taught upon this on Sunday. And then when you put it with uh, verse chapter 10, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. When you put that together, then it means that God will not impute sin to those who are in Christ. Just meditating upon that. Think about that. That before God, you are perfect. Verse 8 says in Romans 4, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Do you understand what that's saying? God is looking at you and saying, You're perfect. You're my child. I love you. Amen. You are perfect. Trouble is, we can't believe that. We won't. We, our brain blocks it out. Imagine if you could go uh, tomorrow and just say, Through Christ... I am perfect. I, he has declared me righteous. Amen. I, I dare to do that and not have a smile on your face. Can you go around depressed if you truly believe that you are his beloved? Amen. That you are his firstborn? 
The father in the parable said to the son that, 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 that was behind him, he says, son, all that I have is now thine. All that I have. We may not see the inheritance right now, but it's coming. Amen. That's why we have to meditate upon the truth of the word because that's what separates us from the world. That's what makes us not of the world. Because he didn't give the word to everyone. In, in Matthew 13 he says, the mysteries of the kingdom are not given to everyone. That's why he spoke in parables. It wasn't given to anyone, but it, they're given to you. Amen. And if we even just meditated upon that, God has chosen me. Hallelujah. God has called me. God has blessed me. God has sanctified me. Just meditating on those thoughts should bring a smile to your face. Amen. So the, medi- the, the, the writing or the word of grace isn't so that we can sin. We, when we meditate upon God's grace, not, not because we can sin, but it frees us from sin. Amen. Meditating on truth, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. When we start to think about Jesus and meditate upon his goodness and all the things he has done, you know, the devil will come and say, no, he doesn't love you. That's what he'll do. He'll come and he'll tell you, no, he doesn't love you, or else look what happened. Isn't that what Job's friends said to him? Oh, all these bad stuff could not have happened if, God, if you were God's friend. No, this would not have happened. But Jesus explains that I don't say you take him out of this world. But we are going to be, have a promise that our soul is sealed and our spiritual salvation is sealed. Satan cannot come and possess you. Yes, he can try and attack you, but in the end, we win. Amen. John 14, 17 says, Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. When we meditate upon truth, it may seem it may seem incredible that God has chosen to give all of you here tonight the truth. And by that, by that I mean the gospel, that Jesus came and died for our sins and rose again, and that through his death and our baptism and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we can be saved. It may seem incredible, but there are probably millions in other places that have not heard that gospel message. And that's why we should be grateful. We should be worshiping, we should be thanking God. Amen. That we can get that. Amen. The other word that was given that we should meditate upon was really the word honesty, or it really comes from the word honor. Revelation 5.12 says, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, and honor, and glory. When we worship, we're giving God honor. When we, when we carry out his word, we're being um, honest and in integrity. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto the him that sitteth upon the throne and the Lamb forever. I don't know about you, but when I worship, I just think about heaven. I, I picture the... The whole scene. I don't know about you. That's what I picture. I picture God on the throne. I don't see him. I just see a light. And I just picture, won't it be awesome? Won't it be something to know you've made it? Won't it be something to know you've made it? 
if, if in a twinkling of an eye, this was all to change and we were suddenly in the throne room and to know you've made it, it, it blows my mind. Now that's something to meditate upon, to think about. Thinking about you making it. Thinking about you being triumphant. Thinking about what it will be like, as the song used to say, when I get over. Amen. You need to have that vision of heaven. You really do. I really think we need a vision of heaven all the time. Because that's what's going to take us through when storms of life come and we can just picture ourselves. You know, they sing this song when the saints go marching in. Right? When the saints... That's how I picture it. In the Psalms, there are a set of Psalms that are called Psalms of Ascension. And what it was, on certain feast days, they would have a, a march up. They would ascend up to the temple. And the priests would lead all of the people worshipping. And they're called Psalms of Ascension. And I picture the saints, just as the songs is when the saints go on. See, when you meditate upon those kind of things, something that are good, something that is pure, something that is lovely, you're actually getting strength. Did you know that? Blessing and honor, glory and power be unto him that sitteth. You ever, you ever pictured seeing God standing before the throne? I want to be able to stand and say, Lord, I did my best. I want to be able to tell him, Lord, I know I didn't do a lot, but it was the best that I could do. I really tried, Lord, whatever you gave me, I, I really tried to, to maximize. That's what I want to be able to declare to him. That's what I meditate. Lord, is there more I can do? Amen. Give you an example of, of, of this something good to think about. The situation wasn't good, but something good came of it. It was Joseph, right? He was put in a compromising situation. And this is what the scripture says. And it came to pass in these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. The devil will cast his eyes upon you. He wants you. He wants to get you in a compromising situation. He wants you to lose your integrity. To give up your testimony. And he'll do it very cute. It'd be something that sounds so harmless. You know, just this. Not, nothing. Nobody, nobody's going to say anything. That's how he does it. Because he's a snake. He is a snake. Lie with me, but he refused. But the master's in here. Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know. I'm, I'm your mistress. I'm commanding you. So, you, you know, you can say you were forced. It would have been so easy for Joseph to give in and lose his integrity, lose his honor. But the Bible says that he fled. He hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in the house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me. But this, because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness? He realized that it wasn't against anybody but God. And it came to pass as she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. He kept his integrity. And it cost him. Sometimes it's going to cost you. You know, because because you didn't go with everybody else's thing, they're going to be against you. Because you couldn't. Sorry, I can't do that. Well, who are you? You're being a goody-goody. And... But in the end, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are honest, think on those things. 
And that's what Joseph did. He thought about the honor that God had given him with the dreams and how he had promised him that one day his brothers and sisters would come and bow down. If he had given in, that would have been gone. Dealing with temptation. How do we deal with temptation? Again, it's what we meditate upon. If you meditate upon doing wrong, you probably will end up doing wrong. If that's what's in your heart. Um, I think one of the great French philosophers, he came up with this statement that said, I think, therefore I am. It's what you're thinking about makes you who you are. If you're thinking great thoughts, you can probably be a great person. But if you're thinking beggarly thoughts, then you're not going to get very far. Proverbs 7.25 says, Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths. For she hath cast down many wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. This scripture is personifying sin and temptation as if it was a person. Psalms 119 verse 11, very famous verse says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I'm... See, the word will help you. Meditation will help you against temptation, against sin. Because it's what you're thinking about and what you fill your mind with is who you're going to be. It's like what you take in. Thy word have I hid in my heart. And then the next thing it said was God's judgment or justice. Meditating upon God's justice and in the sense of his goodness. Because God in the end will be just. God in the end will be just. It may not look like justice right now, but I, I, I the scripture says, so I would have believed in the goodness of the Lord. I'm going to believe that even though I can't see it right now, God's goodness is coming. His mercy is coming. His grace is coming. The Bible says this about, about um, the first um, Gentile Christian. What was his name? In Cornelius. It says, his arms had come up before me as a memorial. Now you can't do good works to be saved, but God noticed his good works, that he did it with such selflessness that his heart was there and ready to be saved. And because of that, God gave him a vision and a dream to say, I'm going to call for Peter. We have to believe and meditate on God's justice. Because when you look at the world, the thing that Satan will come to you and say is that God is unfair. God's not fair else. Look at what look at what's happening. In fact, the teacher that is teach uh, in, in our class that is is doing the Hebrew. She she's an Israeli and she's she lives in Israel because we're doing it remotely. And it's obvious that she's a bit of a agnostic. As we were discussing the Bible, she's teaching the Bible, but I can tell she views it more as some good stories. She's not a devout Jew. And she says, you know, what about the six million Jews that prayed? They were all praying that God would save them. God would deliver. Yet they went to the Holocaust. They were killed. See, she, she cannot see on God's time scale. She's looking on man's time scale about justice. But I'm telling you, nobody gets away with anything. Nobody gets away with anything. 
It's because God is so merciful and long-suffering. Amen. But when we believe in God's justice, even if we can't see it, and sometimes it may not come back to us even in this life. Now that certainly seems unfair. If this was all there was, Paul says that we would have been of men most miserable. But this isn't life. If you lived a hundred years, this still would not be life. What is a hundred years to ten thousand? What's a hundred years to a hundred thousand? As the song says that we, uh, amazing grace, it says, when we have what? Ten thousand years, we'll have just begun. No matter what you have suffered in this life, if you've spent a hundred years in prison, eating bread and water for the hundred years, that will be, I know that sounds hard, but that will not compare to the glories the Bible says yet to be revealed. A hundred years out of ten thousand is like, I think, one percent. If you had to suffer for one percent out of your day, could you, could you live with that? One percent. If you, if you had to take a little pain for maybe five minutes out of your day, um, that would be it for the rest of the day. Most of us could probably, but if, if that's all we saw, we would be in terror. See, because God's scale is so much greater than ours. Isaiah 30 says 18, And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. It's translated judgment, it really means justice. Blessed are all they that do what? Wait for him. And that's hard. But I've seen it repeatedly, those that wait upon the Lord. God brings out them out of trouble. Amen. We have to meditate on God's justice when we're going through things. Here is the classic example. This is, this is so us. Malachi 3.14 says, We have said it is futile to serve God. Why are you coming to church? What do we gain by carrying out His requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But we see all the arrogant people out there doing whatever they want, blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. Even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Isn't that an amazing set of verses in the Bible? Because many of us say that. Look, look at how this crazy person doing, this unbeliever is doing. And look at how I've come to church all my life and I'm still struggling. It seems so unfair. But look at verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked to each other. That's what we're doing. And the Lord listened and heard. You know, there are 66 books in the Bible. And he has allowed men to write those books. But there is a book that he has written that he's not allowing anyone else to write. And it's called the Book of Remembrance. Here's what it says. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence. Every time you have cried, every time you have prayed, every time you have fought, every time you've been discouraged but not given up, every time you've pressed through, every time you've been struggling, the Bible says God had a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and did what? Honored his name. Coming a day, verse 17, on that day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured 
possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see, one of these days you're going to see the difference, the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between those who serve God and those who do not. Jesus told that parable of the rich man and the beggar, didn't he? Did the beggar ever get rich? No. He died a beggar. But what happened afterwards? He went to paradise. He went to eternity. And the rich man was in torment. It doesn't matter what happens during this part of your life. What matters is the next part of your life. That's the important part. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? So we don't have to be depressed when we don't see things work out. I'm, I'm meditating on God's justice. There's a book of remembrance being written. Every tear I cry, every prayer I make, every struggle I'm going through, he's writing it down. He didn't even let humans do that. He had Moses write the first five books. He had different ones write all of the other books. But for the book of remembrance... That one's not even on earth. That's being written right in his presence. I hope your name is in there somewhere. I want my name to be in there somewhere. I want my, your name to be written there somewhere. He's recording every tear you, you shed. The times when you didn't give up. The times when you still kept and pressed through. See, that's something that you can meditate on, that God has got this. He's not forgotten your labor of love, the scripture says. Meditating on purity. Meditating on purity. Let's just go straight to that one. First John 3, 3. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him does what? I hope sometime this week we all took a shower. See, I made it really broad. <laughs> I said this week. Uh, you know, because if you don't, after a while, it becomes obvious. <laughs> Maybe not to you, but to others. Right? And that's why I said, everyone who has this hope, fixed on it, purifies himself. Every now and then, we've got to take a check on ourselves. And am I in this way or not? Am I really fulfilling God's plan for my life or not? Because if you have this hope, you need to do that. You have to say, you know what? No, I'm doing too much of that. I need to focus on this. Fixed on him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Because that's one of the things he says we should meditate upon. Things that are pure. Psalms 19.8 says, The statutes of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. Now that's a scripture to meditate on. What does that mean? What does that mean? The commandment of the Lord is pure. Enlightening the eyes. That means if you start meditating on some of his commands, it will give you direction. It will give you vision. It may at first doesn't seem that way, but if you start meditating upon it, wisdom will come to you. God will open your eyes and you'll know exactly what to do. Amen. I'm trying to rush. Meditating on the last part, it says, on lovely things, on things pleasing to God. Psalms 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, the things I'm thinking about, be acceptable 
in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It may be a good thing that we can't read minds. <laughs> right? So it may be a good thing that, you know, in the comics, you have the balloon and it says what they're thinking. Wouldn't it be terrible if all the balloons showed what we were thinking sometimes? Ooh, we'd all run out of here. <laughs> Why? We need to meditate on this scripture. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation, what I'm thinking about, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. When we can get to that place where our, our balloon thoughts wouldn't offend, then we then we'd be... We'd be achieving something. Up to now, probably, I'm not claiming I'm there either. Sometimes I have to talk to myself and burst that balloon. I said, where did that come from? That's such a terrible thought. Why did I even think that? But this is to how we measure where we are. Paul himself said, it's not as if I have attained or achieved, but I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. When have we meditated on pleasing God? As I said, most of our prayers is to ask him for stuff. And yet he already knows what we need. I've, I've said, we need to try just saying, Lord, is there anything I can do to please you today? Because he already knows what we need. And we have a great example in scripture of someone who asked the right question. First Kings 3.10 And the speech pleased the Lord. God came to Solomon and said, ask me anything you want. Anything you want, I'm going to just do it for you. Now, if it had been us, ooh, I'm sure money would have been in there somewhere. Money would have been in it. But Solomon did not ask for that. He asked for wisdom. And what he asked for pleased the Lord. Can you say, that would be a sermon all by itself. Asking to please. I can see that title now. Asking to please. Is there anything you can ask the Lord that would please Him? It wouldn't be gimme, gimme, gimme. For sure. And the speech pleased the Lord. And Solomon had asked this thing. And God said to him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast thou asked the life of thine enemies, but has asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. So the thing that he asked pleased God. When last did we pray and what we asked God pleased him instead of pleasing us? I'm talking about what we meditate upon. Can we meditate on something that would please God? Lord, how could I win somebody? I'm trying to talk to this person. I don't know how to reach them, Lord. I think that might please God. Lord, can you use me? I'm, I'm shy. I don't know how to talk to people. Lord, can you use me? Essentially, that's what Solomon said. He said, Lord, I'm now king, but I really don't know how to rule this great nation, your nation. I, I'm, I, I'm too stupid to be king. I need help. I don't want money, but I want your wisdom. And because he asked for the right thing, he got that plus everything else. See, God already knows what we need. What if we meditated upon what pleases Him? What pleases Him? In fact, how do we do that? I said meditating is what, really? Listening. So if we listen to God, we'll know what pleases Him. Colossians 
that he might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Proverbs 16, 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Do you know that Solomon had the longest reign without a war? Even though later he messed up, because of what he did in the beginning, he had to fight almost no wars. For the 40 years of his reign, all his enemies left him alone. That wasn't true with David or even the kings after him. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now that's something worth meditating about. Lord, how can I please you? Because I, I might have a lot of enemies and if I please you, you're going to keep them quiet. You're going to shut them up. This is such a big topic because pleasing God can have such enormous effects in our life. I'll give you one more. Hebrews 11 verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him, took him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. How did he please God? Well, I know he, he had faith. He believed God. But without faith it's impossible to please him. So there you go. Just believing God is one of the things to making him pleased with us. Just trusting him in an impossible situation. Meditate upon that. Pleasing God. You know when you wake up tomorrow and say, Lord, you know when you go into a bank they say, what may we do for you? How may we help you? <laughs> right? When you, when you call, call some of these, they say, okay, can you tell me your name and how may we help you? We need to wake up tomorrow and say, God, how can you use me? How can I please you? If we were to meditate on that, I think we would have such a difference in our lives. And then finally, amen, you could stand for this one. Meditation is actually a weapon. <laughs> it is a weapon. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we don't fight in our flesh. Why? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down what? Thoughts. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. So our meditation can be a weapon that brings into captivity some of the things that the devil, the thoughts and impressions the devil wants to bind us with. Casting down imaginations at every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And I'm, I'm preaching to myself. I need to put all of these, if we were to put 50% of this into, into action, boy, we would be so triumphant. Amen. When I have done some of this, it's been powerful. God has given me revelation. Amen. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that tries to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. Amen. So, everything that is pure, honest, true, lovely, amen, of good report, think upon those things. Pick a scripture and meditate upon it. Amen. Give God some glory. Ask Him, Lord, can I please you? Don't ask Him for anything because He already knows. Bible says, if you being 
Good, good parents know to give your children gifts. What parent doesn't know that their children are not out there needs a coat today? Would you send them out with just a t-shirt? No. If we were really of faith, probably we won't even have to ask God anything because he already knows. You can't surprise God. You're not telling him anything he doesn't already know. So just believe him. Trust him that he's got this. You don't even have to ask him. My parents would buy me stuff when it was winter, when it was time to go back to school. They were already planning. They were already planning. Okay, he's going to need this, going to need that, going to need a backpack. You don't think God can plan? Don't think God knows what we need? I think we waste the love of our prayer asking him for stuff. Instead of saying, Lord, what would be pleasing to you? How could I be pleasing to you? Who knows, amen, what he will do for us? There used to be a, a song that says, God has smiled on me. He has what? Set me free. God has smiled on me. Amen. God wants to smile on us tonight. And we have been given powerful weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of spiritual strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And it's simple as that. It's the word of God inside of us and thinking about us. Choose a scripture. Come on now, tomorrow, get up and choose a scripture and think about it all day. Come testify Sunday what, what God has revealed to you, what God has done. Amen? Hallelujah. Let us close tonight. If you could bow your hearts to me. Father, we thank you for your mighty word, which can never be defeated, Lord. Your word, hallelujah, is what framed this universe. Lord, I pray, oh God, help us to get it inside of us. Help us to repeat it. Let us declare it. Let us stand upon it, Lord. We thank you right now for your goodness and your grace and your love, hallelujah, and your favor and your blessing. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Let's give God a praise offering to close out this service.